I'm catching that there are some things that maybe I've caught in my region that I don't realize. Maybe in my shallowness of the churches and the places I've been in, or maybe the other, wherever it is, and I'm realizing God is like, no, 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 no. I'm not like the other gods. Yes. I'm not like the other leaders. I'm not like the other people. This is the father I am. And he's reintroducing himself to me. Welcome to the Follower Podcast, a place for conversations about following Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. My name is Matthew Lewis, and I am so glad that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Follower Podcast. Uh, It's so good to have you guys with us, and if you've been with us in this journey, we're Uh, talking about this idea of going into the deep with Jesus. Uh, What do we do when we, like those fishermen, find ourselves on the side of the sea with empty nets and everything we thought would happen didn't happen? And uh, what do we do with the words of Jesus who in that moment uh, invites us into the deep, to go out into the deep and to cast our nets? And, And is there a kind of catch that waits for those who will follow Jesus into the deep? And we've been listening to different people and hearing different people's stories uh, in the series. And I hope it's been helpful for you as you've been listening in. And really, um, we've been praying, each person who's been on here, we've been praying together that these messages would be helpful to your heart and encouraging to you in what you're going through. And um, today we've got another guest on the show. Um, uh, I actually hadn't planned to have him on, but uh, as some of you know, I live in Durban uh, with a little base uh, of YWAM here, and uh, Rich Hodge ha- has been speaking at our DTS this week, and he was sharing on Monday some thoughts from his life and just uh, his relationship with Jesus, and as he was sharing, I thought, man, we've got to get this guy to come speak uh, on the podcast. So Rich, welcome to the Follower Podcast. Man, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad yeah. to be in Durban. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Yeah, right? it's a good place. Uh, although I like living on my side of the hill in uh, Cape Town as well. Yeah, it is beautiful in yeah. Cape Town. For those of you listening from other countries, just come to South Africa is what we're saying. It's yeah. a good place here. Um, Rich, thank you so much for your time. No, I'm, uh, I'm honored. Yeah, and and I was really just encouraged by what you were sharing, and you've been teaching on the Father Heart of God this week. Uh, maybe just a quick little insight, not too much, but give us a bit about that. What do you teach in, in a week like this? I think it, the, 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 the biggest thing, uh, it kind of goes off of a desert father, Thomas Merton, as the more you see the true father, the more you see your true self. Wow. And the more you see your true self, the more you see the true father. And that our identity and everything flows from that relationship. Mm. And what, we, what I love to do is inspire people to find out in the father who they are so they can do it on purpose. Wow. So good. <laughs> so yeah. good. Um, Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your life. You come from America, the United States of America originally. But just give us an insight. Who is Rich Hodge? Yeah, uh, I'm born and raised in San Francisco in the States. Uh, Irish Catholic kid. Became a Christian when I was 17 on uh, September 30th of 1974 at 8.32 in the evening. I know that because the guy who led me to it was one of those evangelistic guys and said, you got to remember this moment. And... um, Immediately, I knew I was called to ministry. I went to college, went to seminary. I still know just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. I'm still learning in a discipling uh, journey. And um, pastored, helped plant a few churches, uh, 
And then um, I started speaking to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, uh, in 1989 and loved it. always loved. I get a week to pour into people's lives and to spend time with them. It's not a drive-by. And loved young people. And YWAM is actually filled with a lot of ages, which I love. Leaves room for somebody my age. Mm -hmm. And... um, after a number of years, we uh, we heard from the Lord to really join YWAM. So in 2004, in our late 40s, we did a DTS, a discipleship training school. It was so great because all the people that uh, sp- spoke in our school and even the leaders, um, I spoke in their schools. And But it was so great to just come under and be ministered to and soak it in. And it's there that we heard... Um, and were invited to come to South Africa to start a base up in Northern Africa, uh, Northern South Africa and White River area, Nelspruit and Pumalanga. And now we've moved to Cape Town. We moved there in 2015. And we, we travel and we invest in young leaders and speak in DTSs and churches. And yeah, our, our lives are pretty fun. It should be illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and just to say, man, I've been watching the students in your week and you really are doing exactly that. I've just been seeing how the guys' hearts have been stirred and really moved by your teaching. So in terms of the investment you're making into this generation, it's it's amazing. So thank you for that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I mean, <laughs> they it's not getting just a teaching. Because if you just give them teaching, it's transactional. Right. But transformation comes from relationships. So they actually need to experience the Father heart. Mm-hmm. And they need a father that hugs them and listens to them and looks in their eye and, man, pulls the gold out of them. And, man, it's just, I I love it. And I've Mm. had fun raising my kids and now my grandkids. I love doing that to them. But, man, I get to reach the nations. Right, right. And your wife, Lynn? Yes. Been married 44 years. Yeah. We got six kids and 21 grands. 21 and grand. 17 are girls, and only one of my four boys has my last name. So if you're hearing <laughs> wow. this, pray for Jackson. He's the only dude that can carry on my name. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see him, he goes, I know, Pop, Pop, it's on me. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. And, and Rich, you were sharing a little bit about your own journey with this, this whole idea of disappointment. With God, I wondered if you could just share a little bit about that, and then give us some insights. What are you learning? What have you learned in your own walk with this stuff? You know, one of the the things, and you're kind of unpacking, you know, Luke chapter five, is that I've found in this season, not just the last two years, but you know, we're dealing with two grandchildren that have major issues, life threatening. Um, Pip, who is now seven, has been dealing with a brain tumor since she was two. And now we've gotten the news that the the chemo just isn't working. She took three months off to actually her body rest. But the tumor's growing again. And and then we have our youngest, 18 months, that now uh, we've known for a bit of time needs new kidneys because they don't work. And she needs a kidney transplant. And our daughter's going to give her kidney. And so it's just been up and down walking that through. And the interesting thing is that, you know, just even the picture of being in the shallow. Um, you know, one of the things I've discovered in the Lord's Prayer, you can kind of trip through it, but there's this, you know, there's one thing like, you know, uh, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And give us today our daily bread. 
And I've learned if I don't trust God in the small things, I'll never trust him in the big things. Mm. So in this season, I have not had a lot of deep joys. I've had to find shallow joys. Wow. Squeezing out all the toothpaste and finally finishing the last bit and I finish the toothpaste. That is a shallow joy for me that I kind of grab onto. If I get 10 minutes in a shower by myself, it's like I celebrate that as a joy. It's not a deep joy to people, but it's a shallow joy. And I'm picking up these shallow joys that are leading me to deeper joys um, that, are, that I'm drafting off of and that I need as daily shallow joys so that I don't lose hope. Mm. Um, that I just, I don't get so discouraged that I lose my courage. Wow. To actually believe what I, what I hope will happen, but has not happened yet. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, even as I'm getting older and, and I, I'm finding that actually, even the call to the deeper place is the call to have more misunderstanding with who I thought God was. Right. And I'm finding that the Father, in many of those places where I don't get it, He's reintroducing Himself to me. Wow. Um, Let me put it this way. Um, I'm learning in my life to leave a little a lot more room for the but if not. So you got, you know, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they say, our God is able to deliver us. I mean, they're making a statement of faith. Our God can do this. Nothing is impossible for him. Our God will deliver. So based on what they know God is, their request is he's going to deliver us. But then they say this, but if not. Right. We're not going to bow down. And it's like Jesus. He's in the garden, right? And he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. He's making his statement of faith in his request. I know you can do it. And I'm asking based on I know who you are and your character. I want this cup to pass from me. But if not, I'm finding that actually the moving to the deeper place is to ask everything and anything, but actually leave room for the but if not. I'll ask for everything and anything, but leave all the results to him. Right. That's not comfortable. And I think what I've, what I've found in my short journey as well, um, some of my recent grief has been processing my dad's death, you know. Oh, yeah. Which was in November. And uh, I've just found like this invitation into the deep is an invitation into mystery, you know, and I think that's so different for me personally, because um, the the kind of uh, Christianity that I uh, grew up in, and even the kind of Christianity I strongly came to faith in, and again, I don't think these things are necessarily right or wrong, I just think there's progression in the journey, mm-hmm. but it's like... I I knew so clearly where the boundaries were in the early days of following Jesus. Like I knew who was in and who was out. I knew <laughs> this and that. You know, I, yeah. I, I think I, I had such a, it was, yeah, it was so clear. 
And as I've walked with the Lord, it's like life destabilizes some of those things. But I feel like there's invitation if we'll go out into the deep. And, and when I look at the story, it's like, you know, Peter's response is so telling for me. Because Peter's not, he's not like sold on this idea, actually. <laughs> so when, when Jesus says, go out into the deep, Peter's like, dude, we caught nothing all night. But then he goes, master, at your word. We'll do it. So there's kind of this almost like a surrender into the unknown, and that's where the deep place comes. Does that resonate a bit with what you're saying? Yeah, I. It's it's almost like. I mean, let's be honest. When when you follow God and you obey, none of us knows what's on the other side of obedience. Right. We don't. And what I like, there's actually there's two. There's a, almost maybe a shallow sense of an obedience to Christ. When Christ says, will you put out the boat for me? And he says, I will, I'll put it. Then there's a deeper obedience when he says, go out. Now, I'm sure these guys had fished before. I mean, I know people that fish, and they don't catch anything. I'm sure they've never caught anything before. Mm -hmm. But you got to, I mean, they've got all these fishing nets. They're cleaning them. They're all done. Right, yeah. You know, and then there's a crowd there. And he asks, I mean, there's a number of times where actually Jesus asks them to push the boat out because the, the multitudes are going to crush him, Yeah. right? And they're there and they're like, oh, you know, here's, here's the guy. Yeah. But there's something about sowing into obedience that commands a blessing, but I don't know what that blessing is. Right. I don't know on the other side if there's healing on this side completely for my two granddaughters. I don't. But I know that it's, it's almost like it's, it's interesting, 638 in Luke follows that whatever you sow, whatever you give, it's going to come back, right? Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. going to come back tenfold. Whatever you, the same measure you give out, it's going to become back to you. I wonder if in the same way, way we measure out our obedience, if it sets us up for actually that deep catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I'm finding for me that has been really helpful in the deep places or the shallow places, because you don't know if they've been fishing in the shallow or the deep. Right. They just says, go out into the deep. They're fishermen. They know where to go, though. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're, you know, they're tired. They're wiped out. I'm finding that there have been moments and now moments where I'm obeying and I'm not catching anything. What... Do I draft off of when I don't see anything? Yeah. At least what I'm believing in as a follower of Him that I truly believe is good listens. I've found that I need to, one of the things I'm doing is that I celebrate others' miracles on the way to mine. Yeah. I've got to celebrate others on the way to mine. And in that, I surround myself with people of peace followers that that help me stay within the banks of his grace on the things i don't get yeah and you know it's interesting especially when you've been with christ a long time and you go through stuff like the last two years and people are they're unhinged i think they're right. unpacking and deconstructing um stuff of what they thought god was and the, who they thought he was and they're they're struggling they, they don't understand 
uh, I remember somebody shared a verse with me. And you know when you're going through tough times, people love to share verses with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sometimes they make you more sick. <laughs> <laughs> but in Proverbs 20, 24 in the living, it says this, since the Lord is directing your paths, why then try and understand everything that happens along the way? Sure. So one of the deeper things that God has called me to that, I, that I'm walking in, in the deep with no catch, mm-hmm. but doing what he's called me to do in the moment mm-hmm. is the more I try to understand is a good indication I don't trust, and the more I trust, I don't need to understand. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting. There's this, uh, there's this book uh, by a guy called, uh, it, the book is entitled How Not to Marry a Jerk. Okay. <laughs> so if you're listening, you're married to a jerk, God bless you. <laughs> but in the book, it gives a progression of intimacy, of, uh, of, uh, of being connected relationally with somebody. So the bottom line is you must know somebody before you can trust them. Once you can trust, you can rely. Once you can rely, you can commit. Once you commit, you can touch intimacy. Well, I'm finding in this place of my life that I'm not in a faith crisis or a faith tension. I'm in a trust tension. Right, right. Which means then if my trust is struggling, so if my intimacy is struggling, I have to go down to, okay, are there commitment issues? Mm. If commitment is struggling, there's some reliance issues. If reliance, I've got to go to trust. If it's trust, i got to go to no. Wow. So what I've been discovering is, and his reintroducing himself to me in ways is that I'm getting to know him and I have to be open that there, I don't know you the way I think I know you. Right, right. And actually that creates more curiosity and wonder than criticism in my life. Mm. As I get older, I'm much more much more curious and critical. Mm. And it's allowing, for, for instance, I mean, to think about it. I mean, everybody talks about, I'm, all of us have given messages about Abraham and I'm going to go up with my son and I'm going to sacrifice my son. And we talk about obedience and surrender. But sometimes I think we miss the simple idea of why did he not ever question of sacrificing his son? Why? Yeah. Well, it was a pantheistic society, and actually all the gods in that region demanded you sacrifice your firstborn son. So when Abraham hears that, he's thinking, you're just like the other ones, and so I'm going to do, because you're like the other gods. That makes sense to me. And then God presents a ram in the thicket to say, no, Abraham, I'm not like the other Come gods. On. This is the God I am. And he reintroduces himself Come to me. Come on. So in the same way, I'm catching that there are some things that maybe I've caught in my region that I don't realize. Maybe in my shallowness of the churches and the places I've been in, or maybe the other, wherever it is. And I'm realizing God is like, no, 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 no. I'm not like the other gods. Yes. I'm not like the other leaders. I'm not like the other people. This is the father I am. And he's reintroducing himself to me.
Jesus, that's a good thought. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to land it with some people now. So I'm imagining on the other side of this thing, someone's listening in, okay? And this person, um, maybe this person has lost a few loved ones in this COVID time. Yeah. You know, it's because people haven't lost one family member, but many, you know. Or maybe someone's job, they lost their job. They don't know where finance is coming from. Or, um, you know, what, whatever the thing is, maybe they haven't seen family in two years because yeah. they've been in lockdown or whatever. The, there's so many magnitudes of disappointment and pain in our world at this time. And so what I'm hearing you say, and I'd love you just to almost like mirror this back in a, almost a different angle to hit these people. But I'm, I'm hearing you say is like this this moment of disappointment as real and as painful as it may be is possibly an incredible opportunity for a reframing of God. Would you agree with that? And maybe would you unpack that? Well, it, it's almost like the interesting thing as you think about it, that Jesus asked them to go back out in the deep, right? They've just come from fishing. He's in the boat with them. Right? Because Peter kneels and says, I'm not worthy. He's not kneeling to him on the shore. He's in the boat with them. He actually goes with them to the very place of their tiredness and their disappointment and all the dark night of their soul that they came from. Mm. He enters back into that with them. Come on. And what I'm finding is just the simple, man, I don't know if it's simple, but the depth of the ministry of presence right in my disappointment in my stuff that he is a with god not a for god he is with me right and sometimes i feel like i have to you know that sense of urgency i need to do stuff for you so that i can get the result that i'm praying for and hoping for well then even god has to reintroduce himself to me at that point because nothing i do it's not based on my character it's about his character mm. and there's a surrender to the kind of the but if not that i don't get it and i don't understand and i've got to, i've been just really asking god for the grace and the strength to keep on pressing on to that very place that I hope for. I think I mentioned this the other night, the way I view it and kind of heard it put this way before is that I know Antarctica exists, right? But I've never been there. Mm. It's in a map. I'm sure somebody saw it. I, by faith, I believe it's there. My hope is one day I'll put my feet there. Mm -hmm. What's my vehicle to get me there? <laughs> And whether it's my granddaughters or you've lost a loved one and you're in your dark night of the soul, you haven't seen your grandchildren, the ones you love, you haven't even seen your neighbors. Even when you do, you have masks on, so you're not even sure if you're your neighbor. And you're in that place. Maybe like me, I've had to really confess that I've had some of the wrong vehicles. Mm to get me to the hope that I've had for my grandchildren um, and the moments of my disappointment. What is my vehicle? Is my vehicle a doctor? Is my vehicle the cure for COVID? Is my miracle the government changes their mind and does something different? Is my, 
whatever it is, I've almost like this, you know, we're in a very minimalistic movement in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few daughters that are minimalists. They get rid of something that if they don't use it in a year, they get rid of it. They're right. decluttering their lives. In a sense, I'm kind of decluttering my faith. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's a, there's a decluttering of maybe what I've held on to that really wasn't the father I thought he was. Right. The God I thought he was. And him breaking through and says, no, 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 this is who I am. And really, no, is Jesus only Jesus my vehicle? Right, right. Am I going to hold on to him as a follower and say, you are with me and I am, this is going to create more intimacy and trust in you when I don't know what the other side looks like? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And I think why this is important is because, you know, deconstruction is so big at the moment. Yeah. So many people leaving their faith, leaving the church in the Western world particularly, off the back of these disappointments. And when I listen to people talk who are in the midst of that process, I think what I hear is that what they're disappointed with is not so much God, but their idea of God, the expectation they had of God, how God was painted to them, framed with them, for them within a particular culture, whatever the thing is. And there are so many, um, I guess to put it bluntly, so many idols integrated with that, you know. And so what what I've tried to remind myself of you know, in my own place of pain, as you're saying as well, and others as I'm talking and people listening on this right now, it's like if you're disappointed, if you've lost faith, um, before you walk away from God, like maybe stop and interrogate what are you disappointed in? What have you lost faith in? You know, um, because I love how you've broken that down between it's like uh, uh, intimacy, commitment, reliance, trust knowing you know and i think sometimes what happens is people enter into these places of of doubt questioning whatever and we just go like try harder (laughs) do better go to more church read more bible like just believe pray the doubt out kind of thing whatever the stuff is but actually uh doubt is an invitation to go through those layers and interrogate like where are you and do you need to go all the way base and re-know your God. Is this place of deep disappointment, pain, uh, fear, not knowing what's happening in the future, mm. is this an opportunity for greater intimacy in the depths? You know, would you agree with that? Would you resonate? I, I mean, it's, it's like what John said in John eight thirty two that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Mm. That knowing the truth is a person. And sometimes that has to be, you have to declutter the stuff that, Man, is this guy? Is this real? Is this is this truth real? Is this dependence real? Um, to know if I really I, do, I know him, and do I want to know him? Do I want him more than healing? You know, it's interesting in that the Emmaus road. Um, you know, he's with them. 
And what really strikes me in that story, and I think for anybody hearing this, you need, you need to, to know the, the compassion and the presence of Jesus. He comes up behind these two guys. They're disappointed. They're in their dark night of the soul. They're in their pandemic, mm. right? The worst thing happened. The one they thought was going to liberate them. He's gone. He comes up you know, behind them. I love this. And he says, hey, what's going on? And they're like, what? Are you the only one in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know? And he goes, no, why don't you tell me about it? <laughs> I love, he gets them to talk about him. And then they tell their story. You know what I love about that? It's, it's the restoration of dignity that God wants to hear our story. Our story is important. I'll let you, I want to hear your story. I want to know where you're at. I want to know your disappointments. I want to know your joys. And then in that story, they have this one thing, they, they, all this stuff they, they're talking about that they wanted. And then they say this, but what we had hoped for. I think everyone listens, listening, just like me and you. We have in our story now, but what we had hoped for. Sure. And then what does he do? He takes it all the way to the Old Testament, I mean, the Old Testament prophets, and man, it's burning in them, right? I mean, the word is actually speaking the word. Wow. And then, you know, they want to, they want to eat. This is, you know, I think when God lands, we all should eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love when God lands. <laughs> but then it's interesting. God pretends to go farther. Jesus pretends to go farther. You wonder, what in the heck is that about? I wonder if there are times now in whatever we're going through, whatever we're holding on to, whatever we're praying for, whatever the other side of obedience that we want, that we don't know, mm. do we, I wonder if sometimes, just like those two guys in the Mass Road, he's passing by and he wants to know, do you want me more than the miracle? Wow. Do you want me more than your dream? Do you want me more than your obedience? Wow. Do you want me more than anything? You know, A.W. Tozer, very conservative guy, he said God is a God who needs to be needed. And the compassion of God, I think that's a deconstruction. You're passing by and like, uh, wait, wait, wait. You know, do, do we really want him more than anything? Mm. And I think that shakes us in our deconstruction. And even the view of God reintroducing himself, I think of Job. You know, I've always wondered sometimes, why in the world did God pick Job? Mm. He's a good dude, right? But I know that everything the Father does is out of love and for more relationship. And even reintroducing himself at times, because we get caught up in whatever it is that become our idols, even of good things of faith. Mm. And all of a sudden, all this bad things, all this stuff happens to him, right? We, we know it's brutal. And then in chapter three, he's talking to his buddies and he says this one confession, what I thought would happen to me has actually happened to me. You know what he's saying is that all the stuff that happened to him, he already thought God was gonna do to him anyway. Sure self-fulfilled prophecy, and God realized your perception of who I am as a father is messed up, and I'm going to allow all this stuff to happen so I can reintroduce myself to you, and I can say, that's not the God I am. This is the God I am. Wow. 
And at the end, you see how Job gets it, and he experiences and sees the Father in a way he never saw him before. Mm. So good. I think maybe to close, we've spoken about a lot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's been wonderful. Uh, Thank you. Uh, uh, maybe help people with one thought. So someone's listening to this. There's so much. And I would encourage you, if this has been speaking to you, go back and listen again. You know, um, Really let the Spirit speak to you. But if you could pull out something from your journey right now that's holding you, that's keeping you here, that, that's um, moving you into the deep where you're able to say, okay, Master, at your word. What's the one thing? I'm thinking about the person right now who's maybe listening to this, lying in their bed, been struggling just to get out of the house. Yeah. Like there's just a cloud over them. And right now they can't, they don't have really the energy or the capacity to think big theological thoughts. What they need is maybe just a handout, just to say, hey man, you're not alone in this. What's one thing? What could you invite someone into? Hmm. I think I would share from just my own experience. I mean, you know, you're lying in your bed. You're not, you're not sure you can get out of the house, let alone will the government let you out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, that for me, it's always been a step of obedience at a time. It's like I think, like Peter, Jesus says, will you put the boat out? That was a step of obedience that I think he could draft off of as a deposit for the to say yes to the deeper thing. Right. And... For me, it's like being obedient in the smallest of things. Mm. Like maybe just getting up is the mission. Yeah. But I, I will tell you that I think that has been, that has always been our value, my wife and I, no matter what we're walking through, is we don't go alone. We yeah. never go at anything alone. We, we always, we value community. We value being around, we choose to be around people of peace. That's a huge value of ours. And we don't, I can't walk this walk alone. A totally. follower cannot, followers follow with others. I love in this story that they, I mean, they had to have another boat come over to help out. Right. Uh, nothing's worse than having a great miracle and have no one to share it with. Oh, I wish you were there. Right. You know, right. To, to, do, to do stuff in community. Yeah. I even know there's people now. It's it's kind of like you have a dream. You've always had a dream. Maybe right now you can't get out of bed because you're so crushed. You were given a dream a long time ago and it's been a long season from the dream given to the dream realized. Mm. You know, it's kind of like the 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 woman with the issue of blood. She interrupts the that, you know, that that procession to the resurrection and actually the little girl dies on the way to it. And I wonder if somewhere in there, there's a message in the miracle for all of us that um, in community, your dream will become a reality. If you dream alone, it's just a dream. Yeah. You dream in community, it becomes reality. Yeah, Healing happens in community. Um, identity is is celebrated and is formed in community no wonder the trinity is a community yeah. and we're the expression of that family in that community yeah and i guess the, the the biggest encouragement i could give to anyone is man just reach out mm. because we can't do this alone mm, mm, mm. we're it's imperfect 
but it's a beautiful, messy grace when his people get together and they shore up one another. Yeah. And I know in our marriage, it's just like that. There are times when I'm down and I don't know if I can get up and my wife's there to pick me up. And then when she needs a word of encouragement, I'm there. And we need that ministry of presence with one another. I think that's what the church is about. Yeah. You know, we can't program that. It's It's got to be people risking one more time to let people in their lives. <laughs> really good. Really good. Thanks, Rich. Um, uh, resources. Have you done anything? Where could people find your ministry? Do you have any, any kind of resources you could point people to? Well, we are actually uh, working on a conception for a blog, and I'm writing a book. Um, I'm waiting long enough so that I actually have something to say. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah, we, I mean, uh, we do have a, a speaker email, speaker at gmail.com. Okay. Um, and, yeah, we did have a, a regular website, but we just really felt like God in this season was minimalizing some things sure, and really shoring up some stuff real time in our lives. Mm -hmm. So, but even thinking resources, you know, recently, um, uh, if anybody can ever get the book by Sky Jatani called With. With, okay. Um, just a brilliant read and encouragement and a gut check yeah. about what is that I'm projecting on who I think you are and what you should do? Right. Um, yeah, and just the idea of really wanting him more than anything. I mean, that's a real challenge. I want him more than my babies to be healed. Totally. Mm. And I'm telling you, that's a mission. Totally, totally. But it's leading me to deeper places where I'm a little unsteady. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, in Matthew 8, when he tells them the cost of discipleship, he tells them to leave the shore. I think God's calling a lot of us to leave the shore of the faith and the perception and the experience of who we think God is. And we've got our excuses, you know, like, oh, you know, the foxes have holes and I don't know where I'm going to go and I'm not sure you're going to take care of me. And somewhere between those words, that person doesn't get in the boat. And then you've got the one, oh, I got to take care of my father. When you, we know historically, actually, his dad is dying, but he's waiting to get the inheritance. And so that's keeping me from going. Mm. But let me just tell you, when, once you leave that shore and you, you go out into the deep, there are storms. They're guaranteed. Right. There are guaranteed storms. But every storm I've gone through, God has revealed himself and revealed me, and I've seen him more like Thomas Merton than I've seen him before. And then I see more of me, and there's more celebration, but the storms are not pretty. <laughs> yeah. But there is peace in the storm right. because he is with me. Yeah. There is peace in the storm because he is with me. What a beautiful way to end that conversation. 
Uh, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Into the Deep. And it was going to be our last episode in the series. But then I was very um, blessed to be able to have a conversation with Nathan Foster. And so that bonus episode of this series is coming your way next week. We talk about the paradox of the generosity of God in the midst of a broken world and how this leads us out into the beauty of mystery. And uh, this is a short clip from that episode that you can expect next week on the Follow-Up Podcast. I hope we'll see you then. Moving away from a transactional relationship with God is so good. <laughs> and I mean, that's just... It, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah. I love the tidiness of I do A, God does B, you know, and if I'm doing all this stuff, then God will somehow, you know, smile and make him love me and give me a cookie or, you know, some nonsense like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it checks with our theology when, you know, when we've done well or done right or tried to uh, pursue God and then things don't work out like we wanted or expected them to. Um, and that just, you know, again, opportunity, right? That can take you to, you know, forget this. I want nothing to do with it. God doesn't make sense. Um, or, or I'm a bad Christian or whatever. Or it can take you, you know, don't let up on the questions. <laughs> keep yeah, digging, keep yeah, asking, totally. keep wrestling, you know.